Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Today is Tuesday, the 11th, right? It is the 11th. Okay, good. Today is Tuesday, the 11th. It's a nice, sunshiny day outside, and we are Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we've got a great show and interview for you guys today. We are here in the studio with Mr. Jason Ivey. Hello, sir. What's up, everyone? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, hey. Y'all hear the hands, the skin, the lotion, the cocoa butter on that? Yes, that's not the clap button. Those are live. Those are all live claps. Um, So we'll be speaking with Jason Ivey today. We'll be uh, talking to him all things music, life, everything in between, education, knowledge, um, being socially viable, and all of the stuff that fills up social justice and where we're going and what we're doing in our everyday lives. We have Kay with us as well. Good to see you this morning. We've got JV behind the computer and the screen. We've got Hunter with the headphones on looking like Darth Vader. And we've got (laughs) my co-host, Christine. So we are Good Morning Aurora. So we've got the news and the headlines for you guys. um, First of all, which is very important, Cape Con is going on. Today at 2 p.m. is the virtual craft demo, how to make your own pom-pom popper. And tomorrow, or excuse me, at 6 p.m. as well today is the live superhero trivia. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. is live head-to-toe cosplay. And that's brought to us by our friends at the Aurora Public Library. Stock and rock around the block for the uh, Batavia Interfaith Food Pantry. Please donate items. You can visit www.bataviafoodpantry.org for an extended list of items. The type of things that are very important are canned chili, tuna fish, applesauce, ready-to-eat soups, laundry detergent, diapers, cereal bars, and sanitary products. Uh, The stock and rock around the block is to stack the shelves of the Batavia Interfaith Food Pantry, which have been deleted due to the COVID-19 crisis and their continual efforts with which to help our community. That's brought to us by Daddio's Diner, Riverside Pub and Pizza House, and Bulldog Nutrition. So shout out to the whole Batavia and the Batavia Interfaith Food Pantry. Yesterday was the free grocery pop-up at Phillips Park, and over 1,200 families were fed. So congratulations to the City of Aurora, Ward 3 Alderman Ted Masiakos, and the Urban, excuse me, um, the Northern Illinois Food Bank. Uh, that was a very positive um, thing and initiative, so shout out. Now, Senior Meal Distribution is the 17th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that is brought to us by the Kane Senior Council and step, State Representative uh, Barbara Hernandez for the 83rd District and State Representative Stephanie Kiffelwood for the 84th District. Seniors 60 years of age and older are eligible for five free frozen meals. And they're good frozen meals, too. They're not like, you know, ramen noodles like at my house. All right. Economic Empowerment Webinar. 
Thursday, August 20th. That's brought to us by the Kane County Sheriff's Office. It's a Zoom meeting. You can learn from experts about a free program that will help you reduce debt, improve your credit score, and increase savings. You can register by calling 630-208-2009. That's brought to us by the Neighbor Project, the Aurora Financial Empowerment Empowerment Center, excuse me, and the City of Aurora. And last but not least, I want to give a quick shout out and let you guys know about the Piece of Art Camp, which is the 13th, which is Thursday, from 5 o'clock p.m. to 7 p.m. And that's going to be at the Peace House Aurora, 301 Fifth Street. We have reshared the initial post with which you can register. You guys can do that. It's for kids ages, or excuse me, third graders to seventh graders. And it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So that is the news and everything that we've got. And we're going to jump into our cool interview section with our friend Jason Ivey. Uh, the last, the first and last time I met and saw Jason, uh, we were sitting back, uh, fly, pasta salad. Remember that with the big tortellini? Oh, yeah. And the, oh, yeah. the um, cherry tomatoes, you know, just this explosion. And, uh, and it's really good. Too. I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> and then we had the baked chicken or the uh, broiled chicken. It was great. Good time. Uh, but it's glad you came to the studio with us. And my co host, Christine, is going to kick it off. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from? Okay, yeah. So um, I'm Jason Ivey. I am from the south side of Chicago and a, sort of a, an Aurora transplant. And uh, I'm just sort of making it happen in the scene out here, or slowly, slowly but surely. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. And you're also a musician. I am a musician. Correct. Yeah. So this is uh, this is the good part here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm a singer songwriter. Um, I guess my genres are sort of R and B, neo soul, um, alternative rock, even. And I also produce music. I also produce films. Um, yeah. And besides that, I'm also in the academics. So, tell us more about your academic background. For sure. So my academic background is almost as multifaceted as my musical background. Uh, so I studied neuroscience and linguistics at UPenn. And I also studied um, psychology at Johns Hopkins, and I've studied different, you know, disciplines around the world, like business and finance at Cambridge and stuff like that. So I'm trying to keep as open as mind uh, as I can about things other than arts as well. Very cool. And growing up, what impact did your mom have on your life? Hmm. Okay. I think my mom had a huge impact on my life uh, as a kid. She was always a proponent of chasing your dreams, not just you know sticking to something routinely professional not something that's you know a nine to five or your your you know your career your, your grades and stuff like that she's always um, a proponent of the big picture so looking at you know what are you good at what are you passionate about and sort of applying yourself to both you know not not giving up on one for the other yeah because uh you know i'm thinking about like you say that's thinking about my dad right like mm -hmm. It's, it's simple. You go to school, you get a job, you stay at the job, and you just, you know, and, like, nobody wants to do that. Nah, that's that's nah. that's whack. That's mm -hmm. the, you know, it's not 1982 anymore. Right, right. You yeah. know, where you work 20 years for a place, you get your gold watch, and that's it. Like, you have to do what you want to do and feel like you like you really want to do. Right. Sitting behind a desk is played out, you know? It is. Um, in your travels, and especially your academic travels, what places have made a good impact on you? Hmm. Uh, I would say that my school had a an interesting impact on me because I I mean I got there at 16, so I was I was really young when I started at Penn, and that in and of itself was an entirely different world. You know I, I mean being this kind of uh, confident, self-assured young person, I was like yeah you know I'm ready for anything at 16. I was even trying to get further away. I wanted to make Cambridge my my primary undergraduate school, um, but then realizing that 
you know, any city that's not your home city is going to be an entirely different experience and you have to just kind of feel it out. Um, doing that at such a young age was eye-opening, I would say. And then that opened the door to <clears throat> a ton of other opportunities, just like one after the other and meeting a different like group of people than I ever thought I would, you know. So. Wow. What do you feel some of the strengths that Aurora has as a city? Hmm, okay. I would say that it has a closer-knit community than I would have expected. Like, that's something that you you wouldn't find in, say, a Philadelphia or a Chicago. Um, just because, I mean, Chicago is a big place, but it's also a small place. But that doesn't mean that everyone is connected as you think they are. Uh, but you get to Aurora, and you you find out that, I mean, just walking in here, <laughs> you name drop some people that I didn't expect you to know. So it was just, it kind of caught me off guard because that's not what is the, uh, the, the norm in, in other cities. It's a very close-knit, but also a smart city. Yes, very, 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 definitely. Um, so coming from Chicago, the South Side specifically, mm -hmm. and here we are in Aurora, mm -hmm. um, you just talked about the lack of a close-knit community feel in, in Chicago as opposed to here. Um, are there any similarities between the South Side of Chicago and Aurora? Yeah, I would say that there is a, a huge link um, within the, dis the disparity that you can see um, within the south side of Chicago and Aurora. I think that there's a lack of resources uh, present here as well as, you know, in Chicago and multiple places, not even just the south side, west right. side, southwest side. And I've been hearing a couple of different community names um, that are lacking in resources. And I'm not even, not that I'm not at liberty to say them, but I'm just not as familiar with the area as I'd like to be to be able to, like, name drop those or rattle those off. But I think that there is... Definitely room for growth. I think there's a huge amount of potential here. Uh, and likewise in Chicago, I think that people just need to give it the time and the focus that it needs to grow that, that atmosphere. What's the number one thing wrong with Chicago right now, at this moment, at, at, <laughs> at 8.25 a.m.? 8.25 a.m., I'd say whoever's sitting in the, the commanding office, and that's not a direct shout at any particular person. That's just leadership in general. I think that they've got to go back to listening to the community versus being a prescriptive leader. And that's the difference is descriptive action versus prescriptive action. And it's, are you trying to tell a community how they should be policing themselves, how they should be running themselves, how they should be enforcing their own rules, or are you there to supplement what they're doing and sort of foster the internal growth of a community? And I think that that's the um, problem. I'm thinking of, uh, you say that, I'm thinking of Mayor Lightfoot. Is she doing anything good or is, or is there a danger of her slipping into the same old ways of Chicago leadership and politics? I think that um, sitting in that chair sort of limits your capability mm. and I think that people aspire to, to leadership in that way that they're like okay cool this is the supreme position you know this is where I want it to be this is where I'm going to have all of the efficacy that I've, I've always dreamed of having and you get there and you realize okay here's this mandate here's this set of rules here's what you have to abide by Here's what you can't change for, you know, political reasons that you don't understand yet because you've only been here for a day. Um, here's all these implications, social and otherwise, that, you know, you may not have known even existed before you got there. And I think that it's sort of a rude awakening. You know, it's kind of like ripping the those blackout curtains away at, at 8 a.m. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a lot more than I signed on for. Right. Um, and I think that it's going to be somewhat of an adjustment period. And if she's attempting to tackle the machine known as Chicago politics, then it's going to take some time to, to unravel that. We had, a, we had a young lady on yesterday named Giselle Gonzalez. She talked about the lack of equity in health care, mm. specifically. So she works for Planned Parenthood, and she was like, you know, um, 
first of all, the taboo nature of some of the subjects of Planned Parenthood within communities. People don't want to have those talks right. with their kids. The other part about it is that when you go to a healthcare facility, depending on where you come from, your income, your age, and your, your race, your experience can be markedly different than somebody else's. Mm -hmm. um, in Chicago specifically, what's one of the what's one of the most glaring examples of inequality? Of I'm, there's many that you personally um, see and have identified and noticed. I think that is funny that you mentioned Planned Parenthood. I was actually just on a call with the former CEO of Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. uh, last week and actually performed for her. Um, but I think that you can definitely see a discrepancy in how mental health is treated in Chicago. I mean, I think that it's pretty much common knowledge at this point that psychological and, and psychiatric clinics were closed more than half uh, to make room for different you know, areas in the budget for, sure. for other, you know, placements. And I think that people have to prioritize headspace, you know, mindfulness and intentionality. And if you're not doing those things, then <laughs> where do you think you're going to go? I mean, you can you can move physically, but if you're in the same mental um, space, then you haven't really changed as a person or as a community. And that's shown in so many Chicago communities for such a long time, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. the it's the lack it's, of mental growth mentality. Yeah, man. You know, yeah. I mean, just because it looks like Beirut does not mean that you can't fill in the blank, aspire, achieve, get out, whatever the case may be. Exactly. Um, let's talk music. Oh, yeah. yeah let's do Who it. are some of your influences? Hmm. That's hard. Uh, I listen to like a lot of a lot of different uh, people. What's um, the first thing that came to your mind when I asked you that question? I would say probably Sade. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, love is king. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop on the mic. <laughs> uh, Sade. I listen to a lot of the classics uh, just because when you listen to a lot of people that are putting out music currently, you'll find that, oh, they did this thing, and that person is known for using that, you know, uh, melisma or that inflection or that cadence or that tone. And you just find a lot of similarities in the, you know, talent that's out there today. Favorite Sade song? I'm sorry. Soldier of Love, maybe? I don't Ooh. know. I don't know. I don't God, know. this dinner. <laughs> look, the time is now 829 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning War, and we're obviously the music choices are great. Obviously. Right. Well, I was going to tell you that I was looking up something, and I think someone described your music as a sonic fire with a chill flame. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I like that. I knew it. I didn't want to take your, 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 <laughs> your talking time, but. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite write-ups ever um, that someone has done for me, and I think that that was Jeff at Odd Nugget that wrote that about me. And I, funny that I can you know cite the exact article that it came from because it just was like, wow, you know, the imagery that you painted with these words is sort of like what you would find in a, in a song that you're listening to. Uh, and yeah, that was about my song Higher, and it was sort of when people hear that they do compare me to Sade and they do compare me to people like Prince and stuff like that. So it's just like. Those are great names to be, uh, you know, in the, the same sentences. Mm -hmm. So um, that's definitely there's know. definitely a unique sound. Mm -hmm. And then also you have a higher message. You're involved in a lot of community programs. So not only are you a mus musician, exactly. what are some of the other things um, it, that you're involved in? Oh, um, so I am the director for a startup in Chicago for education technology and social emotional learning called Strut Learning. And right now we are actually working on things about mentality and mindset and emotions. So we focus on, like I said, social emotional learning, emotional intelligence, and we try to teach that to kids uh, from an early age, starting at least, you know, third grade and up. And it's not even just kids, it's, it's 
students of life. So we like to say that our market is students. So if you're someone that likes to grow, you're someone that doesn't want to sit in the same spot, you don't want to sit behind that desk for 20 years at the same job, you know, you, you want to have some sort of growth, some sort of like arc to your story. Uh, right. You don't want to have just that linear uh, Born, life. Yeah. worked, died. Exactly. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't make a great tombstone. So. No, it <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you're trying to have... Um, growth i would say then that's what we're trying to provide so right now our our main product is a social emotional learning diagnostic assessment where you can sort of figure out your strengths and weaknesses from an emotional intelligence standpoint and that's free so you can just log into the website set up an account we don't save any information we don't want to know anything about you we just want you to know about yourself so what's the website uh learn to strut.com and that's learn to strut.com yeah okay very yeah. cool i'm also uh an ambassador for nasa and spacex um I'm also involved in a an organization called the Remix Project, which actually helped to sponsor the growth of like artists like Drake and record labels like OVO Sound, which is his label. So the Remix Project, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of growth and helping people, yeah, you put me on to the uh, Spotify for Artists app. I did, I did, Ooh. I did. Is that a game Woke. changer for you? God, <laughs> super. You're looking woke. at those insights. <laughs> yeah. So that day, actually, after we were, uh, we had split and went our own ways and everything mm -hmm. like that, I started digging into it, and it kind of made me, you know, going back to the conversation that we had, I started really fine tuning, pinpointing, and looking at things and seeing discrepancies and trying mm -hmm. to map, you know, map a better uh, plan and future with the show, and everything like that. So I do appreciate that. That was a oh, big yeah. help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you can't know where you're going if you can't like see the road. So exactly. Exactly. Those insights provide that. Um, so let's talk let's talk um let's talk social justice at the moment or as close as we can get to social justice. Mm, okay. Uh we uh coming from Chicago, we both know that the George Floyd incident is only the perhaps now not even the most recent uh incident in a long history mm -hmm. of police abuses we're familiar with the chicago police department how it thinks how it acts what type of organization it is and the type of individuals <laughs> who are involved in it right out here in aurora though a lot of people though their police their, their police department is different it's nowhere near and does not have the history of the chicago police department what are the things that the average person does not know about policing in communities like ours in Chicago? I say ours. I'm from mm -hmm. Harvey. Okay. Um, what what do what does the average person here in Aurora does not under the um, what do they not understand about policing in communities like ours, in cities like ours? Hmm. I would say that first of all, all police departments sort of share a common thread. Um, and that's in the fact that they came from the same history that, you know, police forces existed before America was founded. And the sole purpose of police forces were to capture runaway slaves and detain them and punish them. So I think that when you realize that, you know, the transmutation of the police force then and the police force now, and you look at sort of who their main market is for, for targeting their target demographic, um, and you, you look at the history of slavery and you look at the fact that, you know, people believe that the 13th Amendment did away with all of that. But if you read, as we were talking about all these books behind us, the devil's in the details. And um, that amendment only says that, you know, slavery should not exist except for in prison settings. So then you realize, wait a minute, so if prison is slavery and police are slave catchers. Then 
have we moved at all as a mindset, as a people, uh, as a community? And I think that once you realize that police forces across America are just the militant arm of that sort of that machine, they're just a cog in the machine, then you realize that the entire system has to be rewritten from scratch. So I think that if you look at Chicago, which is like a microcosm of that, it's one of the America's largest cities with, you know, one of the largest black populations with some of the poorest neighborhoods ever. But, you know, the city is so, so rich with culture and on, honestly, it has deep pockets itself, but they never seem to disperse them right. to any of the communities in need. You realize that the purpose of police seem to be to, you know, keep those communities penned in. You know, they don't want that that culture seeking out or seeping out into the rest of the city. So I sure. think that you, you look there and you see a lot of pockets. You see Little Italy, you see La Villita, you see, um, <laughs> there's just so many different- Greek town. Greek town, you exactly, know which all, are like almost yeah, adjacent. That, yeah. like, it's just so many different pockets of people, you know, there's, and then you realize that the city is as, as segregated as it always was, you know, despite being founded by a black person. So it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, John Dusable. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. They got a museum up, but they're not doing them any justice. No, they're not, are no. they? No. 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 Just like that, it's an architectural <laughs> show. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Hey. Um, now, what what parts? Uh, what neighborhood are you specifically from in Chicago? Yeah, I'm from Marquette Park, so okay. uh, Southwest Side. Um, you know, the neighborhood um, responsible for the Martin Luther King March back right. in the '60s. Um, where they threw eggs at him, they threw bricks, they threw anything they could get their hands on. Mm -hmm. um, and then they were like, oh, yeah, we solved racism, and they erected a statue in his honor there. So I've seen that statue every day since you know I was a kid. Um, but also I've known the history, like going to school and then reading about my neighborhood. You know, and I'm just like, wow, that's all of that happened on my block. You know, that's, right. kind, of, that's kind of interesting. And uh, even to this day, I'll learn new facts about it. You know, I'll, I'll learn that I'll be in an Uber, and a driver will say to me, oh, it's interesting that you live here. You know, it's interesting to see a black person over here in this neighborhood. And I, I look around and I'm like, wait, okay, Lithuanian Plaza is what this street used to be named. So I guess it was all Lithuanians. I guess it was all white people. That, that would make sense that they would not want him in this neighborhood if he were marching through. Um, and they were like, yeah, you know, the first black family to move in here on the anniversary of the death of the, the Nazi party leader, they burned their house down. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> right. How would I know that as a twenty-something-year-old? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's not in textbooks, and I think that that's a large uh, representation of what happens throughout history. Is it gets rewritten and overwritten, and it does, right? The, the even margins. with the even with just certain fine words, you know, mm -hmm. a march from liberation was a a stroll for peace. Like we yeah. wasn't strolling. Mm -mm. It was like twelve miles. Nobody no. had fans. You know. Right. Right. Um. Besides yourself and what you bring to music, are there any artists you feel that capture uh, or have captured the essence of not only social justice, but communities of color, African-Americans, not only in Chicago, but who, you know, who's really got the most soulful voice to uh, bring those issues to light? Hmm. I, I think that it's... It's a more nuanced issue than like naming some names because okay. people are really afraid to to talk these days um, just because, you know, people can shoot you down with a quickness. You know, they, they see you say something and they're like, oh, but didn't you say this like last year? You know, didn't you contradict yourself? Like 
three years ago on right. Twitter and you're like, but I'm trying to grow as a person. Right, you're yeah. like, but you can't. That's not allowed. You know, that's not allowed. So don't say anything. Don't speak beyond your art. So a lot of artists try to like force that into their into their artwork. And I think that artists like major artists like J. Cole who try to sit down and they're like, all right, yeah, let me talk about like what the young people are doing when he referenced No Name and he's like, yeah, No Name, you should be teaching me. And it's like, but should I? You know, is, is that is that the, what the conversation has come to? Um, shouldn't we be trying to teach ourselves and then try to come back to the conversation and re-engage? Um, and I think that artists like No Name do, do a good job of kind of um, waking the community up to issues that are being faced. And um, there are plenty of other people out there that are doing that just within their small communities. And stuff like that doesn't often make it to the news. But you ask around and you'll find the names. Interesting. In addition to the many, many organizations <laughs> that you're already involved with, you're also involved in something called Forgive Everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you, what's that about? So Forgive Everyone is a clothing brand, but it's a lot more than just a clothing brand. It's also pseudo nonprofit. You know, they um, provide work to people who are trying to seek reentry into the community. So you talk about the prison population. You talk about those populations that are being over-policed, that are being um, given mandatory minimums for <laughs> like jaywalking, like s such silly offenses. But, you know, they leave a huge mark on your, your, your record as a person and then you re-enter society and people label you all sorts of things and they take away all the you know opportunities that you would have had and sort of box you in again to this lifestyle of uh, a cyclical nature so forgive everyone tries to undo that and you know i spoke to someone on facebook who said you know once we come to terms with the fact that the past can't be undone um then we'll all be able to unite as a people and i thought yeah you can't undo history but just like a mess that you've spilled you can clean it up and you can sort of right those wrongs. Right. So I think that forgive everyone. The message there is, you know, they've served their time. They've made their penance. They've done what society has asked of them. So forgive them. And, and as you forgive them, forgive everyone in your life. So. You're familiar with Florida and <laughs> the, uh, the problems they've had uh, trying to uh, register felons to vote or, or re rather uh, restore rights to those uh, people who are felons. Mm -hmm. And they're getting so far into the weeds with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, if it was a felony, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, I, I think it's, it's, I don't like to see that. Yeah. I don't like people who punch it down. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the picking the, the arms off of ants. That's just so, <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't like to see that, you know, or the way the government's doing with the unemployment, you know, like mm -hmm. $600, you know, let's yeah, bring it down to four, but y'all put in a hundred. I mean, for heaven's sakes, like, what is it? What does it take, you know? It's oppression, you know, and it comes in all forms. And when I was in school, I was taught that oppression had, oppression had five faces, you know, and I think that maybe even today it's more than that, you know, because it's it's sort of, if you, if you watched Game of Thrones, it's sort of the, the no-faced, you know, person. <laughs> Love Game of Thrones. That's your show? <laughs> I've, never, I've never watched Game of Thrones. You gotta watch it. Yeah, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. And you can watch it with the, the peace of mind that, you know, you don't have to wait for the next episode, like, <laughs> forever and a day for that. <laughs> Last show I was watching, checking out, was Ozark. That was pretty good. That's Ozark a good one. That's a really good oh, one. my God. That story was mm -hmm. good. Yeah. That was a good story. The right? way they speak, like, just the wordplay there, it's so clever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jason Bateman? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jason Bateman. He's a good actor. Mm -hmm. He is really good. He's doing a very good service to all Jasons out there. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Shout out Jason. <laughs> um, so let's talk, uh, let's talk your, uh, I want to talk NASA, okay? What's the best thing about NASA? I think that they listen to the community, you know? Uh, they do a lot of things called 
socials, NASA socials. And that's actually the arm of NASA that I've worked with. So I got involved with them when I saw this application. They were like, we're looking to, you know, recruit some people to work with NASA. And I was like, oh, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, you know, why don't I just <laughs> drop in my resume and a couple of things that I did? And um, they actually got back to me rather quickly. And they were like, OK, you're on the wait list. And I was like, all right, that's something. That's something, you know, that's like being on the wait list for a U Chicago. Um, and then maybe the next day they sent me an email saying, OK, you know, we had a ton of great applicants. Um, however, you know, we had to make a really tough decision and we've decided not to move forward with you. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, so that's like at 10 in the morning. And I'm like, well, there goes the rest of my day. And then at like 10, 15, another email rose through and they're like, we are so sorry that email wasn't for you. Uh, we, made a, we made a huge mistake. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Shout out NASA for the emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was just like, oh, this is like waiting for liftoff. And then they like cancel it. Right, second oh, before. Shit. Um, but I think that they listen to the community. And I, when I applied to my application, I said, I want to use your platform to help the South and Southwest sides of Chicago. You know, I want to, you know, as, as much as you're trying to get exposure to those communities and, and let them know that there are other opportunities out there, that there's more than what you just see in your community. I think that that's what they need. And they need to see that um, a person from their community can go to the stars or can work with people who are going to the stars. So yeah. I'm like, I... I could take any one of you and put you in the Facebook group where you could chat with astronauts all day long and, and ask them about their experiences. And I think that that's just seeing that and being in, in, in conversation with people like that is, you know, a mind opener. It know? is. It's super powerful. Yeah. It's super powerful. Yeah. I remember, like, one of the first things, I'm a Navy vet, so, like, when I joined the Navy, like, there's this admiral, right? And he's, like, shiny, you know. Mm -hmm. He's all, all the and then... Here he is, like, talking to us, like, where'd you come from? I'm like, oh, like, do I salute this dude? Like, how do I do that shit? Like, you know, but, like, that's, it It makes you feel good. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It does make you feel like there is no distinction between them or that and right, right. Um, ourselves. Yeah. That's a really good feeling. Up. Really yeah. good feeling. Getting back to music, are you still in school? I'm not in school yeah, anymore. Okay. No. How, how did your family take that, that you, um, do you have a degree in neuroscience? Mm -hmm. But no, I think I just want to go down the music route. How did that go over? So I got out of school. So I finished December 17 and uh, immediately went to, you know, dropping my resume anywhere that I could put it in, you know, their inbox. And then I realized that that's not the best way to do it, you know, because you go on Indeed or something and you just get hit with a ton of spam, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so just, oh, my God. Yeah. It's impossible to find a job through those job boards. It's just ridiculous. Um, so I took a more a non-traditional approach, um, and that's kind of how I found Strut. And I found Strut after, you know, I had been recording in the studio, f you know, all year and dropping projects and stuff like that. And my parents knew that, you know, I've always been musically inclined. I mean, they knew that, you know, I was in a choir in high school and before that I was writing songs and poetry in like eighth grade, seventh grade, um, producing my own music in high school as well. So they were like, okay, it wasn't a surprise, but they were like, so what are you going to do to make money type thing? Like, <laughs> how are you going to support yourself? Like, I, I, I can't keep supporting you. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to do that as well. Just give me yeah. some time to warm up. Like not every artist is an overnight sensation. Um, and my dad actually was like, so, uh, you know, the police department is hiring. And I was like, Okay, so that's when oh, I used my my stop. my degree as an excuse. I was like, so you want me to take my neuroscience degree to the police department and do what with that? You know, like what are they going to allow me to do there that would fit that degree? You know, they don't have. It's going to fulfill thinking. you with what you need exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't Did know. Did you ever be a police officer? 
No, you know, no, no. I, I thought about joining other uh, arms of the government and sort of trying to be uh, efficient there um, as an analyst. That's all I can say. Um, but no, I would never be a police officer. Right. It just, I don't know. It seems like taking like five steps back, you know, because you have to put on the regalia that doesn't really suit the agenda or the message that you're trying to push because they're of an entirely different, you know, part of society. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Um, so what's, uh, do you have anything, uh, pending when it comes to albums and music? Oh yeah. I've got two projects pending. I've got, um, one project that's, well, actually both projects are 10 songs long. Um, I can't really release the names or anything, but Damn. if you okay. look at, if you look at my phone <laughs> screen, woke, the cover art is there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, I've got two albums that are completely finished, mixed, mastered. They've got the album arts, they've got the press write-ups and everything. Uh, at this point, I'm just trying to raise funding for distribution and then the rest is history. Yeah. Very and people cool. can find you on Spotify, mm -hmm. yeah, Instagram. Yeah. All you gotta do is Google Jason Ivy. I mean, Jason I kind of own that that name, that domain on Google. You're they like, gave me a knowledge panel and everything, so we're out here. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> so at the Jason Ivy. At the correct? Jason Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On you Instagram, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. The gram is. Uh, I'm feeling feeling the gram. Feeling the gram. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's talk family. Um, what's the importance of family? to yourself you know and and when i say importance like what is something that's you know what's the glue hmm. that really binds it for people or for you uh i don't know i can't speak for everyone but i'll, I'll speak to the fact that for me um i think that family is extremely important i think that you know whatever you want to teach the next generation has to start in the home you can't rely on classrooms or educators to, to do that for you. I know that they spend a large amount of time there, almost 40 hours a week, but now that is actually shifting. I mean, we see that with COVID, you're going to be spending a lot of time at home uh, with your children. And now you've got to kind of realize, wow, you know, there's a lot more work that goes into teaching you than I thought. Right. And I think that people have to be open to that, that experience of kind of being an educator, being a leader to the next generation and, and with your own, you know, offspring. Uh, I think that that's a huge, uh, hugely important thing. What advice would you give your younger self? You're pretty young, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, 23. Um, I wouldn't give any advice to myself uh, as, a, as a person. I know people would be like, yeah, don't do that or don't, don't do that activity. I, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I think that's that great. that's because... Um, everything is happens for a reason you know and every experience that i've had led me to this moment and if i didn't cross the street you know five years ago then maybe i wouldn't meet any of you all so i think that just small things like that you look kind for of crossing that street dog <laughs> you know maybe a, a butterfly would have landed on my my food that day who, who knows you know just, <laughs> yeah oh we're getting out of here okay come on let's go let's go this place is whack <laughs> i actually i was deathly afraid of, of butterflies as a kid i thought that they were like huge mosquitoes really yeah yeah, that's just a random side note people don't know about. Me. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I've never. I mean, um, wow. Like you lo looking at the anatomy books, you know, you could see like the little their mouth like just unroll like that. And yeah. I was like, Whoa! Like, is that like just? It's kind of morbid. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the thing. Yeah, I was like, is that yeah, a mosquito in disguise? Because that is huge. Like, so I was like, no, nah, no, I'm good on that. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like an album cover <laughs> <laughs> coming out. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Um. Okay. Favorite music. Um, 
Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of music. Um, you know, like, growing up, like, all throughout, like, middle and high school, one of my favorite bands ever, and still is, is Paramore. So, you know, alternative yeah. rock. That, like, influenced me a lot growing up. Um, and being around family, we listened to a lot of R&B, hip-hop. Uh, Michael Jackson was pretty popular yeah. in my family. A lot of uh, reggaeton and stuff. Um, I grew up on with my mom's side, so it was like a very predominantly Puerto Rican household. So a lot of Spanish music, I like that. Um, as of recently, I've been, I really like, um, kind of like electronic house mm -hmm. type stuff. So I I like listening to a lot of the DJ sets, especially at work. So um, uh, Channel Trust is one of my favorite DJs right now. Um, so. Yeah, uh, a huge mix of things. I, I listen to everything, and I write uh, weekly uh, write-ups for this website called The Creative Cypher. So I'm always going through Spotify and looking for what's new that week. The Creative Cypher. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. um, Paramore, you guys both lit up when she said that. What's Who's Paramore? And you did, too. Hunting. Y'all can't see it. Who's Paramore? You don't know who Paramore. Oh no, you got Damn. you got some you got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> you got some research to do. Um, Paramore is, I think it's a huge, hugely influential band, and I, I'm not sure if they're working on any new projects recently. I think that Haley kind of split. Okay. She's doing her own thing, but I mean, ask any millennial at least um, if they listen to rock, and they'll probably say, "Oh yeah, I listen to Paramore." If they listen to alternative music, the oh, people yeah, watching Paramore. the show, like whoever the host is, old as shit. <laughs> I know who Paramore oh, is. <laughs> Paramore's the blueprint. Tomorrow morning, that's what we're playing. Okay, we usually have right. like this jam session beforehand. I might know some of their songs. You so would. We'll, you we'll, know. You'll yeah. probably listen to it. You probably heard it. Uh, COVID has really turned out the DJ crowd. Like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, what started off, I didn't take them for the, the live sets on Facebook and the streaming. Mm -hmm. When I first saw I was like, yo, this is, this is it. Yeah. This is it, and it blew up like it really became. And it's a very creative, um, current form of expression. And out that's I really like those the live yeah. streams. Sometimes you just let them play and mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. when you're at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, because we still work. We gotta like <laughs> sit behind a desk and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Ooh. Ooh. Um. So right, cringe. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> um, what is something? In our current time, current climate, um, current social climate, what's something that should not be missed and overlooked? Hmm. That's a really broad question there. That's a really broad question. Um, I would say that the importance of, if, if you're talking about COVID, you know, making sure that your, your personal health is up to par. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that this, this pandemic is entirely uh, unprecedented. And I think that no one really knows what to expect. Another organization that I work with is the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Health. Um, so I, I do some work with them and just sort of trying to keep people to abide by guidelines. Um, just because people don't necessarily know what to tell you uh, other than, hey, wash your hands and keep your face mask on. Because, like, this is almost everyone at this point, you know, right. just kind of playing it by ear. Um, and I think that the social justice movement of the Black Lives Matter um, organization shouldn't be missed as well. I think that COVID has also like been an amplifying factor to that sort of 
forcing people to sit with their thoughts and their own prejudices and their own um, privileges even and just kind of realize like, oh, shoot, you know, I've got a lot of growing to do and this is actually the perfect time for that. So I think that, you know, keep your mental health up to par, your personal health up to par and also be open to hearing other people's experiences that don't necessarily fall in line with your, your particular bubble. There has Absolutely. been a lot of eye-opening mm-hmm. experiences and stuff like that. There's been a lot of reflection from so many different corners of American society that I never expected mm-hmm. to come out and say, like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe it was wrong to not hire black people for 80 years mm-hmm. at Coldwell yeah. Bank or what. You know, I'm yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. That was just the first bank that came to mind. Um, but, yeah, right? I like that. I like seeing that. A friend mm-hmm. of mine was like, um, he said, don't you feel that there's a lot of disservice being done? Do you feel like some of these people who are coming out and saying that we need to change, do you feel like all their actions are genuine, basically? Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, I was like, no, you're able to tell, like, nobody's naive. You're able to tell who's doing it to make sure that they don't get sued and who actually, like, really fully does believe that their culture and their history needs to change. Right. I was yeah. like, but at the same time, this is just me, like, I do feel that some voice from some people is better than another 60 years of saying nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not a disingenuine voice. Maybe it's just a weak voice because they never spoke up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ever. That's another point to keep in mind. I, I think that two of the things that you're talking about are one, silence is violence. You know, if you're if you're being uh, indifferent in times of oppression, the, the famous Desmond Tutu quote is, then you're taking the side of the oppressor. You know, if you're going to sit there and let someone get you know, mugged on the street, then you're like, oh, sorry to that, man. Like, that's right. not yeah. how this works. Yeah, that's messed up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hope they don't get me, you know. It's right. just like, <laughs> if you're going to do that, then that means you've got the privilege to avoid that situation. And, you know, just as easily as we could say that, then that means that if you don't have to worry about being watched in a store, then then you probably are in a place of privilege. Like, you know, even today, like, I feel really weird about going into stores with masks on and hoods up and everything trying to just get some like That's PPE a, to cover up you know oh what I'm saying God, like I'm yeah. trying to get some sanitizer and the store clerk is looking at me like and I'm like well can you help me find the sanitizer then come on like you know yeah. you're watching me do your job I mean think about it right yeah I've been profiled with church clothes on yeah now they're telling me to wear a mask at the yeah store? that sounds like a setup yeah exactly I was, brothers, <laughs> I was telling brothers like yo this can't be real don't wear <laughs> don't no wear mask. mask that's great you know don't go into the bank with the mask right. on. <laughs> Hands in the pockets Reach and everything. Reach in your pocket. Yeah. Right, right. So I'm going to need to cash this check, girl. Like, don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to need $100 whoa, whoa, right. from my check, please. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Like, yep. No, no. Uh, what's next for Jason Ivey? Hmm. Um, what's next for me? I think that right now I'm building a brand called Omni House, and I'm trying to... What's it called? One more time. Omni House. Omni House, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to allow that to provide a voice and a spotlight for different artists of every medium, like not just one particular discipline. I'm not, you know, prejudiced towards, you know, musical artists because that's what I do. Like, no, I, I want to see every artist thrive. So podcasters, I want to see hairstylists, barbers, like sculptors. I want people that release their creativity into the world to be recognized, and I think that that is a necessary in this climate because we need more outlets than just like you know media or news because all of them aren't so uh forthcoming no they're not their agendas no. so i think that something like this as a news outlet or a podcast is great because it kind of you know counteracts those 
where you see, you log on to NBC, um, ABC, like all of these different things, and you see like seventy one different broadcasters saying the exact same thing. You're like, something's up, you know? Like Minnesota is not talking to Detroit. I don't think that <laughs> the right, same yeah. things are happening and there. The hell, at the bottom, you can see it, right? Yeah, yeah. Unrest in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Next one, Milwaukee unrest. Yeah, the story. Yeah, exactly. It's just like this is like trying to rewrite an, an essay like fifty times. Like it's not gonna be. Uh, very original. But. Anything goes here. We talk to everybody, and it's it's interesting to get their stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole reason why. Well, we had talked about it. it's a whole reason why we started this show, because there's so many people who's who have a strong, positive, or a clear cut message. Some messages, depending uh, on who we're talking to, that are focused specifically on. My friend works for uh, Northwestern Medicine. She's the media relations specialist. She mm-hmm. talks to. Uh, individuals, doctors, and their patients. Not everything can be shared per right. doctor-patient privilege. Right. But if it's something that the doctor is then writing on or he's going to be discussing, he's sharing that information so we get little bits and pieces of that. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way mm-hmm. because while we have a local person, the information that she has is pertinent and it's actionable for people. And some of these other outlets and things like that, they don't want to talk to you unless... Hey, look, if, if you don't got 287,000, uh, they're not, no. Right. You know, right. and that's not cool. And plus, we don't like it scripted. You know what I'm saying? People Those can get scripted, responses. filtered, yeah. watered down news from anywhere. Yeah. You know, but they won't get it on Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. You know, exactly. they're not going to get no it here. There's no PR templates here. There's no canned responses. You're like, so what do you think about Black Lives Matter? You're like, it's a movement. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Things are exactly. happening. <laughs> yep. Um, so the time is now 9 o'clock a.m. Uh, we do like to end the show off on a positive note, okay? Um, this is going to be a little bit different, though. I'd like you to do one of two things. First, tell us something actionable uh, that people should take with them today and the rest of the week, something positive and actionable. Positive and actionable. I think maybe check in with people that you don't normally check in with. You know, maybe post on social media like, hey, like, I honestly want to know how people are doing. You know, just like drop me a line, you know, DM me if you don't want to do it in public um, public setting, you know, because people are very silent about the things that they're facing. People are very personal, you know, very um, introverted these days. And people even misjudge me as an introvert. They're like, oh, so you're an introvert, aren't you? And I'm like, no, it's just COVID. You know, I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't see me at this, this function. Right, exactly. You can't see them smiling under here. Um, so just people are suffering in, in solitude. And with some of these thoughts that they wouldn't normally have, they're like, oh, wow, like maybe I have been a terrible person to some of these people that are outside of my community. Or, right. wow, you know, COVID is going to change my life forever. Like America is never going to be the same. And I think that all of these aren't bad sentiments. I think that things are changing for the better. Is just a painful process, like growing pains, you know. So it's just keep an open mind and also be open to hearing from your your community. Um, since you said that, before we get to the part two part, will America ever be the same? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think that people are hesitant to shake hands, and I, uh, from a social standpoint, people are like, "Whoa, where have you been?" Type thing. And I mean, you, universities, you can't learn the same. And I think that these are great things because we've been teaching kids the same way that we have been for like 200 years. And I think that if we as a people ever aspire to the stars, you know, how we're going to get there using these archaic, you know, forms of of education. Um, And if you 
look around and you see discrepancies in your community and you're like, wow, we are not united as a people. This, these states are not united. Like you got California trying to secede every other month. Like <laughs> there, is, there is definitely a problem that is screaming at our faces. So it's just like, don't ignore it. You know, don't be, don't be tone deaf. Just kind of tune into what is being said. And then if you do that, then we can begin to work on some of those issues and then we could make it to Mars. Then we could, you know, like as tackle the next big thing as an entire like planet, you know, as, right. as one united people. That, that would, that. That's not going to happen today or tomorrow. Right. So, it's not it going to happen when you got people knocking over the whole display rack because they can't wear the mask in Walmart for three minutes for some two ninety nine sunglasses. Like, lady, just put the mask on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, so here's you. part two. Um, if you can, let us know the organizations you're involved with. One more time, shout them out, what people need to take part in if they can keep their eye on and uh you awesome. know yeah, of a social yeah. justice context so uh i'm involved with forgive everyone so right. that's that's the one major brand um and they're doing a lot of work constantly they're doing a lot of the social justice work um i'm also involved in omni house that's sort of a personal project and that's not necessarily public entirely yet but you can definitely follow it on the socials at the moment um dropping a project with Condé Nast um uh, shortly this month Okay. And that hasn't really been talked about, so keep that between you know the, the podcast listeners. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the numbers looking like oh, oh man, come on man, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm dropping a couple projects personally, so and the list is endless. It, it goes on and on, and right. ju that's just because I'm trying to be a person in my community. So I told you, I reached out to you yesterday. Said we're gonna need three shows for this kid. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we appreciate you coming on. And talking to us. And I appreciate both of y'all coming with that same energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, this means a lot. Like I explained to you guys, this show means a lot to me and everybody here. We love doing this. And I'm telling you, it means so much that you come, share what you got going on, and share the positive initiatives that you're involved in um, with us. Uh, from that day talking, more young people especially and people of color need to see to hear to have it beaten to their heads in the morning time early with coffee whatever that uh neuroscience nonprofits, giving back to your community emotional health emotional awareness emotional intelligence all those things are key mm -hmm. so thank you to help reiterate that to people and spit it on our show i mean it really means a lot yeah thank you perfect no, thank example you of you know you can do whatever you want and you can also make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You don't have to be uh, you know, pushed into a box. Anybody you know. can do it. Pre-law, pre-med. You don't have to follow those those tracks. You know. Just right. Make your own. Exactly. Now, if you're working at Comcast, <laughs> don't quit at noon and just you know say f and go. You know, unless you've got something lined up. You know. But um, right. Be smart about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Be I smart. With this. I thought you were trying to get your cable hooked up early. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, the time is uh. We're a couple minutes over. It's not, time is 9 5 a.m. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we've been blessed to have Jason Ivey and Kay on the show. Appreciate y'all for coming in. Shout out to my co-host, Christine, Hunter, JV. And we will see you guys here tomorrow morning with some more great news and interviews. Uh, stay tuned. And y'all be blessed out there. Peace. Peace.